All right, take your Bibles, if you would, and let's open the Word of God this afternoon to Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14, and we'll start here and look at a couple of other verses as we tie these uh, continuing thoughts together. I did want to have a short message, knowing we wouldn't have a message this morning, although we had a tremendous message in song that was very well put together, and... uh, Even with the testimonies in between, that just works so wonderfully well. And we praise the Lord for their ministry. They do such a good job. Pray for them as they uh, make a few changes. You know, one of their boys is getting married. It's it's Colton, right? That's the one. Is is getting married, and and, uh, I think he said June. So they got a little bit of time to prepare for that. And then there'll be a man down, you know. And I say, well, hey, he ought to just get an RV and go behind you. And he can preach and y'all sing. You know, that'd be great. But evidently, he already has plans to work on the church staff. Uh, that, that is their church um, that they're out of, and he'll be on staff there. And uh, so that's a, that's a blessing as well. Hey, you know, that's a, a wonderful opportunity uh, for a young man and his wife to get started and serve the Lord. And so I'm, I'm really happy for them. And so let's pray for them as they, as they make that transition. They're still going to be a blessing, though. They're all fired up to continue and keep on singing and all of that. So I told them, hey, we'll have you back. Let me know. When you're available, and then he said, yeah, we, we, you know, they're coast to coast. They travel everywhere, and he said, we're up and down I-10, and I said, in that case, if you, if you ever need a place to stop, you know, give us a holler, and uh, we'll have you in, you know. We can do that, and uh, even if it's short notice, that'd be a blessing. So be ready for that just in case. Exodus 14, have you found your place? Exodus 14, let's look at just one scripture as our text verse, verse 15. And if you found that, let's stand together for the reading of God's word, and uh, we'll read our scripture. Father, how we love you tonight, how we thank you for the events of today. What a blessing they've been already. We just ask your presence, your guidance, Lord, on this latter half. We pray you'd speak to us from your word this evening, and uh, also, Lord, guide us and bless as we conduct business and affairs afterwards, planning for this upcoming year, trying to do the things you've laid on our hearts And we just ask you that you'd help us be unified and together as we move forward. So we pray that you'll bless the reading of your word. Make it personal. Speak to our lives as we go through it. And show us what you'd have us do. Show us your will for for us and our place in your plan. In Christ's name we ask. Amen. Exodus chapter 14, verse 15 says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. All right, and if you'll remember, we preached on that last Sunday. So let's read verse 15 one more time. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? All right, why don't you read this last part with me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I want to preach a message that I've entitled this afternoon. Simply this, challenges to moving forward challenges to moving forward. As we remember the context of this passage of scripture and thinking about what was happening, God led the children of Israel into this path. He led them to encamp by the sea. They had a mountain on both sides. They had the sea in front. And remember, Pharaoh and his army were coming up behind. They were surrounded by obstacles, things that got in their way. And I want you to know in 2023, as, as, as an individual and as a church family, when you make up your mind to move forward, you might as well just get ready, get the pen out, mark her down. There's going to be some obstacles. There's going to be some challenges in the way. 
There is, I believe, the principle of resistance. It goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Because of sin and what sin did in this world, you and I are always going to have resistance when we try to do what's right. Think about it. God told Adam and Eve, you're going to have the sweat of your face to contend with as you till the ground. And that wasn't the only thing. We know with tilling the ground comes rocks and roots and thorns and thistles and all kinds of things that just make doing what we're supposed to do a little bit harder. So really what we did with bringing sin into the world, we just made everything harder on us and brought death in also. That's what Adam and Eve did for us. But we can't blame it all on Adam and Eve because you and I made the same choice. The moment in our life when we were aware of the difference between right and wrong and we chose wrong anyway, we did the same thing they did. Think about it. Now there is resistance. We, we, we know about resistance and we're reminded of that. Like, for example, today, we had a little resistance coming to church. The weather wasn't really in our favor. Uh, when, we, when we watch our favorite team, a, a ball game, whether it's basketball or baseball or football or whatever it is, you know, there's resistance there. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's, it'd be great if, if our, you know, if here we got the Super Bowl coming up, and it'd be great if our team could get together and organize a pass and throw a long pass and score a touchdown, Right? Wonderful, we get up and cheer that. But it's even better when they do that while another team is trying to stop them. (laughs) Right? It just, hey, it makes it more fun, more thrilling, whatever, but it also makes it harder. You know, sometimes I'm afraid we forget all about that when we walk into the doors of the church. And for some reason, we just think now that we know Christ, that refreshed feeling that comes over us at at salvation uh, somehow gives us the impression at times that we're going to do what's right with no resistance. And we've forgotten about this principle of adversity that lives among us. Not only that, we haven't even mentioned the fact that we too have an enemy trying to stop every good thing we do. And we, we're not even talking about that. It's not, that's, that's completely another message where we would get into the area of spiritual warfare and our battle against evil forces and the devil, the God of this world, and how he's at work uh, to intimidate and, and infringe and impede what we're trying to do. Think about moving forward as we see it in this passage. The children of Israel had to make up their minds to go with God and move forward. And then once they did, they had to be ready Because there were challenges. And you know, we have challenges. Now, we don't have a wall of water in front of us. We don't have a red seat across. Thank the Lord for that. But you know, we have some other things. When when we get to those red sea moments, God is able to part those waters. And this story is a wonderful tool for God to teach us that and remind us that he's able. So even then, we, we are not to stop. We are not to give up. We are not to throw up our hands and say it can't be done. If God called us to do it, then it can be done, and by his grace, we should be willing to do whatever it takes to get it done. But there are other challenges that you and I have to meet. God's not going to part them. He's not going to remove them, like the teams on the field, uh, like the thorns in the way, like the roots and rocks in the ground. It's up to us to deal with those things. In order for us to move forward as a church family, There's some challenges that we're going to have to accept. How about this one? Number one, the challenge of making a difference. 
I submit to you that it's not enough for us to gather week after week, sit here on Sunday and sing beautiful hymns of the faith. We, we, are, we are to do more than just meet and exist. And we can only do that if we accept the challenge of making a difference. Making a difference in the lives of others, making a difference in our world, making a difference in our community. How do we do that? Well, there's a lot of ways, but the idea here is that we're not complacent where we are, but we remain hungry to do more for the Lord. And you know, that's the spirit that we need to enter 2023 with. The spirit of willingness where we say yes to God about going forward, but also the spirit of hunger where we have the desire. We have a desire to do something for God, not just to sit and watch what happens. My friend, are you stirred up? Do you have a desire? Are you ready to serve the Lord? Oh, how we should be. Look with me at the book of Jude. There's a verse there that talks about making a difference. And the Bible says in Jude, that book right before the book of Revelation, there's only one chapter there. So Jude, verse 22, it says, And of some have compassion, making a difference. Now it goes on to say, And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. You know, if we're going to make a difference in people's lives, we're going to have to, we're going to, have to be willing to do what it takes. And that starts by having compassion. You know what? Simply put, Brethren, we have to care. It has to matter to us that something gets done. It has to matter to us that we make a difference. And we can't just be all ho-hum and happy just to meet and exist and float and drift into the future. So think about it today. Think about that challenge of making a difference. It might mean that we have to stand up to be on the Lord's side of the issue. As I look around in our world today, I think, you know, my, don't we applaud those people who stand up in the moment and speak the truth. And you know, you, your turn may come to do that. You may have your opportunity in your corner of the neighborhood to stand up for the Lord and speak a word of truth in a time uh, where, where, where minds and hearts are being pointed in the wrong direction. If you and I are going to be salt and light in the world, we're going to have to be willing to stand up. We're going to have to be willing to speak up, to let God's view be shared and heard. You know, you and I have something that you might as well say is a secret to the world. We're living in a generation that is not biblically literate. They really have no idea what the Bible says. And it's funny how everybody knows a scholar somewhere that can, that can quote a Bible verse on their topic and it seems to come out just the way they want it to come out. No wonder the world's confused. But we know not only what the Bible says, but we know what the message of the Bible is. We know what it means and how to interpret it in its proper context. So that we're not just grabbing verses and making them say what we want them to say, as some do. Creating doctrines of devils and false half-truths that are out there. You and I are going to have to speak up if that is going to be overcome and if people are going to know the truth. But not only that, I think we're also going to have to show up. We're going to have to be there when there's an opportunity to be an influence for the Lord, when there's a, a way to help another or meet a need in someone's life. If anyone is going to touch their heart for God, it's going to have to be us. And we're going to have to be willing to show up at times and be there. 
We need to show the world that there is a godly way to solve our problems. There is a right way. There is a godly way. We don't have to resort to the methods that are being used today. But not only that, number two, how about the challenge of evangelizing the world? We're about to make a shift and and focus on missions in the following month, and, and we'll have our missions conference and missionaries, and it's a wonderful time of the year. But this is really something that that needs to be our focus all year. Evangelizing the world. Look with me at Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. And let's look at verse 15. Jesus speaking here, it says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. To every creature. And so we have the challenge of evangelizing the world. And this is including, or maybe I should say beginning with, our own community. You know, there's a, there's a principle in the Bible, in the ministry of Jesus. He told the disciples, he said, tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And then later it says, beginning in Jerusalem. Right? And Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. You know the verse. And, and so he, we, there, there is our, there's our strategy. It's our, it's our formula. Beginning in Jerusalem. We don't omit Jerusalem. They began there. What is Jerusalem to us? It represents your home, your hometown. Isn't it interesting that the Lord Jesus, when he started his ministry, you notice that he went to the cities and towns of the disciples and preached the gospel there. And he did that. Uh, as he began his ministry, he did that uh, to reach their, their places, their homes, their families. There was a witness there of truth. Jesus included that, and he began by reaching into those areas where his disciples were from. It's an important part of his strategy uh, as he conducted his evangelistic work during his ministry time. They were only with him for three and a half years. He started with them. He created that, that culture of learning and growth and evangelism, a discipleship culture is what we would call it. He helped them as he evangelized in their areas and towns, and then they began to spread the gospel everywhere. He eventually would send them out two by two and tell them to, to be harmless uh, and, and blameless, the sons of God, preaching the word of God. You know, this means that we have to believe in and faithfully proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's be honest. Sometimes the reason why we don't do what we're supposed to do is because of a moment of weakness where we, we, really, we really don't believe what Jesus said. We look at that sinner, that, that biker image, that tough guy, uh, uh, a smile, and, and we say, oh, uh, Lord, I don't know if, I wanna, I don't know if I'm going to witness to him. He looks kind of mean. Are we saying that he can't get saved? Or that she can't get saved? Or we see someone today that's believed the world's lie and they're all confused about their identity. Do we, do we, do we conclude they, they can't be saved? The Bible says preach the gospel to every creature. And, and we need to be able to reach down within and full of faith come forth with, with, the, with the word of God and a testimony for Christ and to be able to faithfully proclaim the gospel. Don't we expect our missionaries to do that? Then we too should be doing that. Telling others that they can be saved. 
This means that we have to intentionally put forth the effort necessary to reach the lost. They're not going to get saved without our effort. The world will not be reached without the effort that's put forth. So how about it? Let's make sure this year that we put forth the effort. You know, I was thinking about a church body being engaged in their community. What does it take? It takes three things, I believe. Oh, you could, you could make a longer list, but I'm trying to get to just the essentials. Let me share these with you. Number one, it takes, I believe, name recognition. Why? Because there's a church on every corner in the South. And, and I think when we say Beckwith Baptist Church in this, in this part of the country, I, I think people, people need to know where we're talking about. They need to know about that church on the highway, 12 miles south of town. Beckwith Baptist Church. They need to say, oh, yeah, I know, I know that church. Oh, I heard about that. Hey, I know someone that goes there. Or, or, or they need to point to this or that and, and tell you how they know about us. Name recognition. When people hear the name Beckwith Baptist Church, what do they think? Hopefully, I, I would say, hopefully they would think of something positive instead of something negative. But that's up to you and I. It depends on how we interact with them. It depends on what their experience is as they interact with members of our church. That is going to give them the positive or negative image that's going to come to mind immediately when they hear the name Beckwith Baptist Church. I think there's some things you and I should do on purpose to have that name recognition and make sure that it's a positive image. We need to work on that. We need to be willing to do that. But that's something that has to be done intentionally. Number two, a caring approach. Name recognition means people know who you are, but a caring approach, you know, that determines the response. Now, we obviously don't want to provoke a negative response toward our church. And if that's true, then, then we need to make sure we have a caring approach because how you approach someone often determines how they will respond to you. If you come to somebody barking and angry, well, chances are they're going to snap back at you in anger and that's because you, you caused that. You caused that by going to them and lashing out in anger. So you get that as a response. If you want a kind response, then you go in a kind manner. You go with a smile. You say kind words. You can deal with a harsh topic if you do it kindly and still get a positive response. But we have to work on that. For most of us, I would say that's not something that comes natural. It's something we have to be very intentional about. And then number three is the gospel message. What is that? It's truth delivered. If we do everything else and fail to give the gospel, then we've failed. We're not reaching the world for Christ. So yes, we need to do the other, but then we also need to give the gospel message. We need to think globally that, that our mission is to win the world for Christ. But then we need to act locally and make sure that we are doing this and preaching this message right here at home. There's more to ministry than just missions, or maybe I should say foreign missions. Let's conduct our affairs at home in such a way that Christ is lifted up and others are drawn to him and that salvation is the goal. The challenge of making a difference, the challenges of evangelizing the world. But as a church family, we have another challenge. It's the challenge of developing leaders. Look at 2 Timothy, if you would. 2 Timothy 2, in verse 2. 
Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. This is a very important verse because it teaches us a structure, or if you will, a strategy for ministry. There is a way to do what God called us to do. And we need to make sure that we are putting our effort in the right place. Look, it doesn't matter how many things you do. Somebody said, well, the answer to getting more done is doing more. I say false. You can busy yourself all the way to burnout, and it doesn't mean you're going to be successful. So I would tell you today that the, that the real answer is this. Do more of what matters. You have to do more of the right things if it's going to change the impact and the result if you want to be successful. We need to catch this. This was part of Jesus' ministry, and it was part of Paul's, and Paul was now teaching Timothy the same structure, the same MO for his ministry. Right? This is how we do it. This involves planning. It means that we're not drifting because we have a plan. This involves preparing. It's, it's putting uh, in the work in order to accomplish the desired results. You know, and in order to do that, you have to, kinda, you have to get back and you have to calculate, okay, if we're going to get this done, how are we going to get this done? What is it going to take to accomplish this? And the more thorough we are in our planning, the better our chance of achieving the results that we're after. But that, not only that, there's projecting. What is projecting? Projecting is determining our outcomes. Projecting is when we start calculating. We first set the goal. We decide what we want the results to be. Then we adjust and we say, what will it take to get that done? And we start to put those things into practice. And then we project as we go. Are, are we on track? Are we getting there? Are we making progress in the right direction? And if not, we adjust. Projection helps us calculate on the move to make sure that we are, in fact, on track to accomplish the desired results. So we're not just drifting from day to day. We have something to do. There is an agenda and a schedule, and we're on it. We're busy about it. And then lastly, there's the challenge of obeying God's word. Would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 7? In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus gives the, the story, the parable, if you will, if you want to call it that. It's the illustration of those that would build a house. Notice what he said in verse 24, Matthew 7, verse 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came. You remember the adversity I talked about earlier? So once you decide you're going to live for God, you're going to have a Christian home, you're going to do all this, guess what? Adversity's coming. It's going to test all that. So the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not. For it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. 
And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. And you know, this is what we tell people, you know, life is hard. Guess what? It's hard on all of us. Oh, I don't know why you would want to even try to make it without the Lord. Hey, did you notice they all go through the same storms, the same rain, the same winds beating upon their house? They had the same kind of adversity. But with God, you'll make it. This is the challenge of obeying God's word. This is what Jesus told that story in reference to. Those that hear these sayings of mine, he said, and doeth them. He said, those are the ones that build their house on a foundation. They're, they're steady as a rock, a solid foundation. They're built on something secure. What is that? The word of God is our rock. And we build our lives on him. The Bible is the foundation of all that we believe. And it's the final rule of our faith and practice. So we should be eagerly making sure that our lives line up with the Bible. We, we should frequently ask the question, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say about that? What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? And if you don't know the answer, go find it. Get a Strong's Concordance. Get on the, get on the, the, the computer and you can do a search and now you can just do it straight on the internet. You don't even need a concordance. And you can Google, what does the Bible say about this or that, whatever subject is. And you can find God's word. Once you get God's word on it, then see what God says to do and do that and find out how your life will be strengthened and helped and blessed by doing the word of the Lord. So if we want to go forward as a church family, remember there are going to be challenges, the challenge of making a difference, the challenge of evangelizing the world, the challenge of developing leaders. And, and as an institution, that's one of the biggest jobs that our church will take part in as we disciple and mentor others, developing them into leadership. The challenge of obeying God's word, because personally for all of us, that's where it begins. But as a church family, it remains important that we govern our affairs by the word of God. So if we want to go as a, forward as a church family, the question is then, here's a few. Will we simply exist or will we make a difference? Do we accept defeat or do we regroup and try again? Do we inspire leaders to rise up or do we allow them to be sedated in their own comfort? Will we choose to have things our way? Or we will allow God to have things his way? Do we just accept the way things are? Or do we decide that we can do better? Let's go forward. Let's accept the challenge. Or the challenges. Because they are many. Let's be willing to do whatever it takes to accomplish what God has called us to do. Amen? Let's bow our heads. Father, how we love you tonight. How we thank you for being willing to do whatever it took to save us. All the way to Calvary. To the grave and beyond. Lord, you rose 
to seal the victory, to give us justification from our sins. And we thank you that you were willing to do that, to look beyond the cross, to see the joy that would be set before you one day. Surrounded by saints in glory, you endured the cross and the suffering and the shame. Lord, may we too endure the hardships, the struggles, the things that we go through so that we might get beyond that to the prize, to the results, to the things that you've called us to do. And Lord, may we bring and bless many along the way as we follow you. In Jesus' name we ask, amen.